Greetings, nerds. I'm the nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont. And with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? I survived November. That's October. And hopefully we'll survive November <laughs> as well. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's been, it's been one of those kind of months where it's just like, man. But yeah, I got through October into November. And uh, yeah, let's, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you had a 2020 month if there was anyone i know who had one and and i'm glad that you made it out to day three of november yeah granted it's election night so who yeah. knows what november will bring but yeah exactly. listeners, we don't have election results <laughs> we don't things are, yeah right now yeah it's just we're we're recording so that we're not constantly like hitting refresh to see what's going on <laughs> That's why Will's recording. That's my thing tonight. <laughs> I'm recording because Alaska's the last one. Yeah. By the time they get to you guys, hopefully Will will know something one way or another. <laughs> we'll know something. Yeah. I don't know which way it'll go or what it'll be, but we'll know something. We'll know. I think we'll know by then, like, if if it'll be a long night or a short night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah. <laughs> um, other things we know about from news that broke this week is the premiere dates for our Arrowverse shows, which well, I heard that they're not calling it Arrowverse anymore. They're calling it the CW-verse. Yeah, whatever. It's the Arrowverse. Lame. Yeah. Um, Batwoman will strike back on January 17th. Followed by Black Lightning on February 8th, The Flash on February 23rd, and Superman and Lois will also be premiering on February 23rd. It's like they put, are putting all their chips on Batwoman right now. Yeah, they, they definitely are. Uh, I think, you know, especially given that Supergirl is going to be going off the air, I think The Flash is, you know, it's getting up there in years as well, so... In the next phase of, of the Arrowverse, yeah, they are definitely putting all their chips in on Batwoman. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, the Flash is it's interesting because the Flash is also premiering alongside Superman and Lois, and um, which which I I, I thought was going to be different. I thought it was going to be premiered. I don't know anymore, but I just think that's interesting that that show is is being paired up with the newbies, sort of speak. Mm-hmm. Um, to try to help them with ratings, but yeah, I, I'm glad to see dates. Dates are nice. Yeah, um, dates are also very fickle things these days. <laughs> yeah, but we know we know that the, those shows have been able to go into production and have yeah. been able to, you know, by this point have at least a, a few episodes in the can. So you know, heaven forbid that uh, there is an outbreak on set, which I know under seeing all their the cast members photos from uh on instagram and, and and twitter and stuff it seems like there there's a, a bubble that they're in so hopefully that's uh able to keep the keep the virus out and um and yeah and, you know we don't because we don't want cast or crew to, to come down with it so hopefully they'll be able to stick to this to this date and uh be able to, to finish out the season uh, and i think as far as they're planning on doing the full full slate. I know. I think I saw where CBS was cutting back their order 
quarters on some of their shows, but uh, so far I think the CW was planning on doing a whole season. Going to be a long year for in 2021 then for them because they're going to end this season and then what have a month break before returning for the next season. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that's true. That's true. If they if they have any side projects that they were they were hoping to do next year, that they they may have to cancel them or. Uh, or, or really try to say, hey, squeeze it in with my month off. <laughs> yeah. Um, another show we know definitely it will be premiering in 2020 is WandaVision. And apparently there was a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm against spoilers, but I also listen to a lot of information about this kind of stuff. And I was just curious, what was the spoiler? Um, Will, do you know what the spoiler was? Uh, so I did. Whenever I saw the rundown earlier today, I was like, "Huh, I, I missed this," but I, I I did see the spoiler. So, mm-hmm. so, and so, and for our listeners, we'll we'll give you the benefit if you don't want to listen to the spoiler. Uh, jump ahead to the next timestamp. But if you do want to hear the spoiler, Sarah, go ahead and drop it. Okay, Thanos. No. <laughs> No, Quicksilver. Yeah. Which... yeah. And and I'm mad at us for not thinking about that. Not well, not thinking about Quicksilver potentially being in this show. Well, here's the interesting thing. So once I did find out about this Quicksilver returning, then if it gets into the X Men universe and then uh-huh. MCU, so oh, yeah. so I guess according to a thing I read on Reddit and another article somewhere else. Uh, the actor who played uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson who played Quicksilver in the film, in the MCU film, Ultron, does not want to come back to the MCU. So that got people theories spiraling that it'll be uh, Evan Peters from the X-Men Days of Future Past, his version of Quicksilver. And of yeah. course that opens the whole door to the multiverse and bringing the X-Men into the MCU. And so that, you know, so those are the prevailing thoughts that are out there right now. Oh God. Okay. I was so happy when it was just Aaron Taylor Johnson. And now I'm so mad because I, I really do like Evan Peters and his version of Quicksilver, but I really don't like (laughs) the casting of the rest of the mutants where he's from. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't want that verse to cross over. <laughs> I want a new verse, and I want them to get it right. And more importantly, I want to see Rogue. But <laughs> <laughs> so, so I like how I went from a high to a low in the span of what two minutes? <laughs> yeah, not even. <laughs> I can't have nice things. <laughs> now, again, this, this, this all, this whole premise of the spoiler of Quicksilver is from a Funko Pop. So. The most reliable news outlet there is. Yeah, it was from yeah. If was... mean votes, we would have had the. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh jeez. Yeah, I. I I guess then, well, considering everything you just explained, this is like a h- half spoiler because the fact yeah. that we know we're going to see. We're going to see a version 
of Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. Very fascinating. And it also just makes me more excited for the show in general. Yeah, yeah. Because, A, we just need something from the MCU at this point. We're dead thirsty on it. But what? But also, B, it just continues to add to this whole thing that we've been discussing since it was announced that WandaVision's really going to be the show that that kicks off this next phase and really allows this universe to expand and grow and go into new directions that we never thought would be on the table before. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, and I think that's, that's what this Disney plus series will, you know, give us that opportunity to, to really kick off things. And, you know, and when we saw the, you know, the teaser trailer, uh, I guess was last month or late September, uh, you know, really did get folks excited about the potentials in the, in the multiverse of being opened up, uh, mm-hmm. especially when we saw the classic costumes of both Vision and the Scarlet Witch. So it's, yeah, you know, I'm very, I'm, you know, I was a little ambivalent about the series at first, mm-hmm. but the more, the more I learned, the, the, the more I, I am looking forward to, to this, not, not only because, you know, we've been starved of MCU this year, but also, I think it just seems like there's just so many intriguing story possibilities here. Yeah. Uh, with with this with the with the show and and speaking of the show and and also internet and Reddit spoilers. Uh, apparently, uh, when I was prepping for tonight, I saw another story, whatever's worth, where mm-hmm. I guess uh, Scarlet uh, uh, Witch's stunt double. So. Uh, uh-huh. Olsen's uh, stunt double was uh, apparently taking a photo in what, what at least the captions that they were in London. So, and of course, Doctor Strange is starting production in <laughs> in London. So, you know, so people, so the internet was like theorizing that, hey, put one and one together. So Elizabeth Olsen's stunt double is here. And London, possibly, and so that with Doctor Strange is going to be filming in London. So, therefore, we already knew that. We've yeah, known that. Well, yeah, we knew, yeah, I know, but people, you know, you know, it's the internet. People gotta like, you know, fill content. <laughs> but, but the way <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just you knew I, what you were doing. You were, you're like, I'm gonna wind this up, yeah. make it feel, and then just say. She was in London, and I'm like, "What?" The-? <laughs> well, we'll yeah. See. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to break news, you know. You know, I, you know, hell, anybody, you know, I, you know, I have a platform here, so you know, I just figure I toss it out in the wind. <laughs> but I saw, I saw, my sources told me, my sources being some page I I read, I think Inverse or whatever that said that. So. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't. Well, it wasn't. We got it covered. So <laughs> you come back to me when you when your sources tell you that Charlie Cox is on the Spider Man set, and then we'll talk. Okay, we'll do. We'll do. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, that was the other thing this week. You know, I want to hear about. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing this week where it was like, oh yeah, uh, you know, the rights to Daredevil went back to back to Marvel. So apparently, apparently, yeah. apparently, um. Before we get into the main topic of Baby Yoda and how adorable he is, or he or she is, or the child is, um, we do have one 
one bit of news that we have to talk about because um, Sean Connery has passed away and he is a legend and and has been in so many movies mm-hmm. and died at 90 years old, full, complete life, yeah, yeah. which all people can ever ask for. Exactly. And I just, I, it, it was kind of, it was a shock, but but not not as big of a shock as like a Chadwick Boseman passing or right. or others who are just cut cut to um, lives are cut too short. So yeah, yeah, it, you, you're right. I mean, it, it, it was one of those things where you really are you really do celebrate the the life and career of, of someone like Sean Connery because um, you know, obviously you know, such basically put the fingerprint and his stamp on a character that yes, there have been other actors to come after, after him, but it really established the, the role and the, you know, when people think James Bond, I mean, you can't, it's you know, Sean Connery. And then also so many other characters. I mean, you know, of course, you know, some people depending on where you were in life or when you were introduced to him, you know, it, you know, he was Henry Jones senior, you know, with Indiana Jones films or, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, I yeah, I really enjoyed him in uh, in The Untouchables uh, as Malone. Untouchables is classic. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> One movie that stands out to me is this movie called Entrapment with Catherine Zeta Jones. I do not know why. <laughs> 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 that is probably like a B movie. I've only seen once or twice, but for some reason, that's that's where it, maybe that's when I started to recognize him mm-hmm. in other things. Because I mean, I've seen The Untouchables. I've seen. I haven't seen Bond, but we've we've had talks about Bond and right, my relationship right. with that character. And and but it's just it's Sean Connery. It's yeah. that name. He, classic movie star um it it's it's funny it's not funny but it but it really is funny how um everyone points out his last movie yeah. <laughs> like the league of uh, was it the league of extraordinary, extraordinary. gentlemen extraordinary yeah. gentlemen yeah um i actually watched that and it was just, it, it, yeah uh, and I, I watched it and that's all and i'll just leave it there me too uh, yeah. i i I watched it. I left it there. Have not returned or thought of that movie until now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but then again, you know, he he he, yeah, he made his yeah. exit. Yeah, and and, um, and and also Daryl Hammond. I mean, and his SNL, you know, with him on Jeopardy. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, it's just. I mean, there's so many things you can say about Sean Connery, and uh, and again, just celebrate his career and. May he rest in peace. But uh, yeah, this could that, yeah we, we couldn't we couldn't do our show this week without you know taking time to, to reflect on his career. Yeah, he wasn't even on the list to watch. You know, you know how there's that watch list of okay, if these names are trendy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I know everybody was like, okay, check on Betty White, y'all. Check on Betty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, if we had only known. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, so we we are now at the point in the show where Will is going to do mo- most of the talking because I did watch The Mandalorian season two premiere, and I have very few thoughts on it. 
So, Will, (laughs) we got Mando back. What what is your overall impression? All right. So, I've been thinking about how I was going to talk about the Mandalorian tonight. And so, I've decided I'm going to approach it in two ways. I'm going to approach it as a fan. And then I'm going to approach it as uh, as as a critic. So... Yeah, so so the fan in me loved it. I I, I I will freely say that without a single drop of hesitation. Um, it was, you know, whenever the show came on, it reminded me of why I, I really enjoyed the first season. I thought it picked up the elements of the first season and, and really carried a lot of things forward. I think from a fan and also from a critical standpoint, I think it, the show is doing a very good job of expanding the star Wars universe, Mm -hmm. um, but also, but also in a way that is not like, you know, just gimmicky. I mean, it was like, you know, it's, it's in context, like, you know, just, just little subtle, just little things like as they were walking down that alley on, and you see the, the the graffiti of the stormtrooper, right? And right. and C three PO, and and of course, the, of course, the Tuscan Raiders, and really get deeper into into their story. Uh, and so, uh, so, so there's things as a fan I really, really, really enjoy about this this show, mm-hmm. and 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 really, each episode of The Mandalorian exposes what was so wrong with the trilogy, the most recent trilogy and that and that at least you know with the mandalorian which is the blessing and a curse because this is where i'm gonna get critical is but there's a story and there's an arc and there's an overall plan uh-huh. now and so that's the great thing the only the critical part of me about that story is that I will admit that during the premiere this week, when uh-huh. I was watching it, there were some points where I was just like, we got a lot of exposition. <laughs> we got a lot of like, we've done this before in the first season where we're just traveling somewhere <laughs> and we're just talking and we have these expansive, beautiful visuals. Yeah. I was like, I've been here before. Yeah. <laughs> So that's that's the critical part. But on the other hand, again, they have a story and they're doing a good job of telling a story and they're introducing good modern characters like, you know, uh, Timothy Olyphant, the Marshal, who was uh, what's his name? Core. I can't remember. Uh, Marshall. That's his name. Yeah. The Marshal. But no, he actually has an actual name. He's a very modern. He has character. an actual name, but we don't remember that. We're not. Yeah. in We don't need to know that. Yeah. Yeah. We just yeah, but he's a minor footnote in the. I mean, he's you know he's a character from uh, you know from one of the from one of the books, and you know again, all you know. The, the, that's what I do like about this series is right. You can you can you don't have to like. I mean, I'm a Star Wars fan, but I'm not one of those fans who like reads all the books and uh, you know I have I still haven't watched all the Clone Wars and you know all those little side stories. So yeah, I, you know, but again. The, the, the genius of John Favreau and Filoni with the Mandal- Mandalorian is you don't have to be so well versed in all the 
other elements to enjoy this story. And, and that's what well, I think is the success about The Mandalorian. And now I'll, I'll step back and, and let you give your thoughts. I, as, as probably a lesser fan than you, um, I am and more of a critic when it comes <laughs> about everything we watch. <laughs> um, that's why we yeah. work. <laughs> they, this, we have seen this episode before. <laughs> I was, I literally at one point got up and started walking around and doing chores around my house while it was playing on in the background. I was so bored. <laughs> like, I feel like I've seen this exact episode before because, or a few different times, because this is a very classic Mandalorian episode where he get he needs a piece of information, he goes, and while he's there, he realizes that a group of people because of the way the empire ruled um, are have like fallen apart or, or been raided or, or are held hostage by some kind of um, other entity, whether that be a big beast or, or um, a, a force of uh, raiders or something. And, and then Mando, just doing his Mando's thing um, brings peace and, and manages to get what he needs and help them at the same time. Yay. Everyone's happy. We've seen this before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so, it's so annoying to me. However, um, I, I will always stop and watch baby Yoda just be yeah. adorable and delightful. Yeah. I, I did. I did as the episode progressed, I did appreciate Timothy Oliphant more and more in his character and what they were doing because by the, especially by the very, very end, you're like, okay, I get it now. Got yeah. it. Good. Let's go. Yeah. Um, it just, it, it wasn't, it's not an opener that I expected more. I'll say that. I, okay. I was really pulled in by the trailers for this season because they talked about Jedi. They talked about mythos and, and I'm not, and trust me, I don't, I don't want it to go to Skywalker or anything like that, but I do like to understand more of, of the force and also of these, these other elements that, um, for whatever reason have kind of, they've kind of like held back on and, and I feel like we've been teased a lot. So, so I, I, Personally, I don't know why they chose to do this as the intro. Um, another positive, though, Will, is um, I did really like the cold open. Yes. Because it was Mando being a bounty hunter. Mm. Not Mando being a, a hero or a savior for a group of people, but... He's a bounty hunter. Yeah. Let him be a bounty hunter more. I really... Yep whole sequence was just so cool because he was allowed to be the Mandalorian. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and kid was brought for the, was every time they showed Yoda, Yoda. Um, and uh, yeah, to me, it will be Yoda until someone tells me otherwise. Um, <laughs> every time he rode sidecar, I was oh, like, I that, that is awesome. <laughs> that is. Yeah. No, yeah. Those. Yeah, that, yeah. Totally. Totally agree with you. That was so, so cute and just you know he's just like riding sidecar on the skimmer on the speeder and uh yeah that was that was pretty dope i have to admit i mean th those are the moments 
but I, but I, 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 I'm glad you brought up the cold open because it that again sets resets us all because about who the Mandalorian is, mm-hmm. and and I, that's because you 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 know we get so wrapped up in the child and oh how cute he is and everything, but again, that's my point about the story. We have a story to tell, and this right. is a story about, as you rightly pointed out, he is a bounty hunter, and he, he he needs information, and he will get that information however he needs to get it. Yeah, and and maybe that's also what I was trying to get at when I, I my mind immediately went to the Force, but just understanding more about Mandalorian culture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which they did a good job of. Um, placing hints um, because of the armor and everything we learned about Marshall and then who we see at the very end and just knowing where, where Mando is probably going with this. Yeah. Like that's another thing we didn't get too much involved, too much about in the first season. Right. Um, is really understanding the Mandalorian culture. So, so I want to see more of that. And, and I'm very, so, so you're, you're right. There were, there were some very significant highs in this episode. There were just like these long tentative walks Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get (laughs) between each high. (laughs) And always in stands. Like, I thought Star Wars hated sand. <laughs> yeah, they love they love Tatooine. I mean, you know, that's whenever when all of that go back to Tatooine because uh, there's 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 a lot of lot of stories on that desert planet, and you know, we we we, we continue to see. You know, we've got Mos Eisley, we Eisley, we have Mos Ispa, we've had you know this new place to, to where the, the 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 guild where where the mining guild was. Um, Set up, but 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 also again, I, I like that because it was it, it reminded us about how this story fits into the overall Star Wars universe because it is after the Empire fell, and it really gives you a bigger a, a more context for how the Empire, even though it was a dictatorship, did manage to keep the order with a lot of those in those a lot of those planets on the outer rim, mm-hmm. and so. So, and that's what I like about this show is that it does get into the politics of Star Wars again, and not as ham ham fisted as it did in the middle trilogy with that you know with episodes one through three, but really, uh, really does explore those elements and and now gives serves as, as I guess a bridge for why the First Order came about. When we, whenever we are, we in the cinematic universe, we get back to you know the Force Awakens, and we and we see the First Order, and 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 because of what we were shown in this episode, we really see why that you know, why people were, were willing to to you know allow for that type of entity to, to to rise up again, especially if a lot of these systems were being decimated by by uh, lawlessness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's law and order, and 
whether you agree with the empire or not, it still brought some sense of balance and order um, for for very negative reasons. But but it yeah. still allowed for there to be a structure and a system in place. So when yeah. that's taken away, unless you have something to put in its place, everything will crumble. So yeah. it yeah. it yeah, you're you're. It is a, another good point you have about why this story is important and especially in terms of timelines and and making sure that Mando stops at every single planet yeah. <laughs> stumbles upon every single group in need of a hero. Yeah, yeah. But he's not a hero. He's not a hero. He's, you know, because, I, and, I, and I, I say that because, of course, the easy, you know, way with the story would have been like okay he worked with the marshal and, and even though the marshal stole Boba Fett's you know somehow acquired Boba Fett's armor which again was you know for folks who are well versed in the Star Wars universe can you know can tell it better than I but I guess they took a story here in a television show at, at, from, from the books and, and made some tweaks to it to, to fit uh, the narrative for for the Mandalorian series, and and of course, you know, of course, everything in Star Wars is always told from you know a certain point of view. So mm-hmm. yeah, so you know, so what was happening in the books, you could say, well, you know, here is the Marshall's version of how he acquired the armor from the Jawas. So, yeah. um, so, but again, what I liked about it is, to your point earlier. Mando stuck to his core, which is, I came for the armor. I'm going to leave with the armor. And did he come for the armor, like specifically? Well, he was looking for the. He he remember whenever the uh, John Leguizamo's character in the yeah. in the in the Fight Club, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, he he was what that the Barsar, and he shared that there was on Tatooine this. Man, this other man, person wearing Mandalorian yeah. armor. So, I think that was part of his um, part of his mission was to, in a, you know, in addition to finding people who can help get him information to find the child's people. Uh, right. I think there was also the element of, you know, we given that all the Mandalorian were wiped out, uh, I think he was trying to you know, reclaim. I, I knew right, that right, right theirs. To... Yeah, I knew he was trying to find another Mandalorian because of everything that happened. Yeah. But but I I didn't think that he went there specifically for the armor. It's just that when he realized that it was a poser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, give that back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 now he has it and that sets us up for another crossing of the paths of another character in him and Yep. And, and which, which again, it excites me because you're, we're going to see mul- multiple perspectives on the Mandalorian mm-hmm. and, and what that means to be one and also be disgraced from being one and, and everything. So there's a lot of interesting yeah. ways that they can go with that while yeah. all along trying to reunite this child with, with their people. I mean, that's essentially the parallel that they're, they're counting on is Mando is trying to reunite with his people mm-hmm. and also reunite this child with his people. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah. 
but yeah, but I have to say, uh, when, when we did see, at the end of the episode, when we did see Boba Fett, I uh, I was like, okay, I, I like this. I like what they're doing with this. I like where they can go with this. Um, because, uh, you know, because he's, you know, just like Jar he, he he's also not a Mandalorian. Uh, and as far as we know, he wasn't, you know, at least... At least, at least Armando was was correctly brought into the order proper, whereas Boba Fett just somehow acquired that armor. So maybe we'll get some more backstory about that um, in, in this in this this upcoming season. Yeah, yeah. Time will tell. Time will tell. And um, that is it for us on the Mandalorian season two premiere. We will be continuing to watch all of the episodes that it has in store for us. Um, but in the meantime, we have been watching a few other things, um, which also, This Is Us, season five premiered this past week. Will, will, will. Will, will, will. You need to watch this episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, like, I know how much of a complete completionist you are, but I think the season five premiere, if you watch it and you don't like the show, then you'll never like the series. But if you watch it and it works, like you're, you're going to go back from start and binge. Um, they tackle Black Lives Matter huh. in in the the in such a fascinating way, because for those who are unfamiliar with the show, including Will, um, you have Sterling K. Brown's character who is a black man who was raised by a white family. And so to have the black lives matter, like they, they, they do Floyd's death and everything and the reaction to that and just have this character or the whole events, all of the events examined through his lens where, where he has his, his black family, family, but he also has his his um, family that raised him, and all of this emotion and everything. It was brilliant, and they're going to give Sterling K. Brown an Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the promos for it. I was just like, I got I got to watch this again. He was he, for forty minutes. He was on the verge of crying. Like, for 40 minutes straight, like, you could sense the tension and the turmoil in him. And and it was just, like, beautiful what, what he did in all of his interactions and everything else. I mean, they tackle not only Black Lives Matter, but they also tackle COVID. And, um, and my mom and I were talking about it. And why this show works is it's not that they had a Black Lives Matter episode. They had a This Is Us episode that featured a storyline about that movement. And because at the end of the day, it all goes back to the family. It all goes back to the big three and their lives intersecting with one another and overlapping and getting screwed up and family bonds and relationships and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so and so they they were they were able to to just handle it in a very, very beautifully way. And and I'm sure this episode's just going to get a slew of Emmys. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, you know, it, 
the promos when I saw it, I was like, oh, I what I I got I got to get your thoughts on on it. And two, I was I was definitely thinking like, okay, I, I need to. I know I've missed because this is in its what fifth season. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started. I watched most of season one, and I was like, you know, I need to get back. I should I should pick this up because I just feel like this from the promos themselves. I was like, this episode is probably going to be one of those ones that will get me back into the show. Yeah, I I think I think it will. It was, it was just I the every now and then this is us does an episode where I just think about it all the time and I rewatched and I'm just uh, because there's like the performances and the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, it, the episode does do one thing, which I'm so mad at <laughs> so, it, it, but, but it just, I hate when it gets too serendipitous. Um, they, they, they can be clever with all of their timelines and characters and well, what will happen to this one? What will, what does this mean? And everything. But, but then again, every now and then they do something where I'm like, you just jumped the shark. That yeah. should have not happened. That no, why are we going back there? But they'll, they'll figure it out. Um, but overall, I, I think if people are not watching it, I think starting with this first episode in season five, because because This Is Us is, is written in a way where you can jump on, understand an episode, but also be curious, like, okay, well, how did we get here? Because they also very much pick up exactly where they left off with the uh, previous season. Okay. Oh, do they? Um, because some crap went down with the the family during the finale, and some things were said, which just added a whole nother letter, layer of complexity with um, everything Randall was going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, I will be doing many reviews of This Is Us. <laughs> All right, yeah, and I'll, I'll, I may be uh, may be able to join in in those mini reviews. <laughs> um, speaking about joining in, I I heard I heard something. This could just be something on Reddit, but um, is Will watching Lovecraft Country? I started. I did. I finally started. I I got into it um, last week, but I. Uh, wanted to finish the comedy store and so uh, i was at my parents house and they have showtime so that one took priority over lovecraft since i can watch lovecraft here at home so interesting yeah. how far did you get with lovecraft like i, I just the first episode okay. but i started it though but I, and I i do intend to finish it up but uh, like i said i wanted to finish the comedy store because i really got into that one see i fell off of the comedy comedy store i haven't oh. watched it since joe rogan returned okay yeah um joe, joe rogan return episode was interesting it was it was good but the finale and louis ck being the spoiler mm-hmm. alert uh was back i just really uh really enjoyed just how everything came full circle and how they talked about Mitzi Shore and you know just the, the dark years of the comedy store and how things rebounded and and it was just 
And just seeing all the talent and the, the stories, like you know Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans, and um, just you know so many, um, so many. Uh, you know, I know whenever we talked about it before, you did, you were not a big fan of the jumping back and forth. But over over time, I actually I actually like that. It's just super, sort of seeing the stories in context, and even as I joked with you, I think via DM, I was like, you know, I forgot that Michael Keaton was a stand-up comic years ago in an early part, you know, when he started out his yeah. career. Uh, and just and so many things like that uh, where, you know, where you see so many of these folks who have gone on to do such amazing things. Many of them got their start and were and groomed their their craft at the comedy store. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and, I, and, I, and another thing that you and I this program we mutually enjoy uh, with the uh, Schmodown Entertainment Network and thinking about how Christian Harloff is a stand, you know, got his start as a stand-up comic uh, before you know doing other things with WWE and other things, and how he's talked about going back to stand-up, um, you know, uh, with Mark Ellis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I uh, and then watching the Comedy Store and seeing, yeah, you know, how big name people, you know, Chris Rock's of the world and Eddie Murphy's of the world and, and you know, rest God rest his soul, Robert Williams and Steve Martin and others, you know, sh- may show up in the main room and <laughs> do a bit. Just to, you yeah. know, it, it, you know, it, it was just a really, it was a real fascinating documentary. So if you have any interest in, in stand-up comedy or, uh, yeah, or, uh, you know, I, I totally, totally recommend it. Yeah, I I mean I like the few episodes I watched, but I had I have a serious problem with the editing of it. I think that it would it could have been better constructively constructed better um because it did a lot of oh, like this is a big moment in the past and then they would jump forward and then return back to it and I'm just like stay in one freaking timeline, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Tell the story from start to finish instead of all this like back forth over here over there. It's like whoa, all right. Um, but I think if you take pieces of those episodes and and just put up a five minute video just about that one story or that that one um, comic, and I, I I also find it fascinating. Um, so I might I might go back to it now that yeah. you said that it really ends strong. Yeah. which is nice to hear. Another thing that we are both watching is The Right Stuff. Um, did... Um... Yeah, I did catch it. <laughs> the Right Stuff. Um, so so how, did you, how did you go about watching this week's episode, considering I implanted the mannequin of John Gillespie? <laughs> <laughs> I kept bringing it. Your voice kept ringing in my head every time he was on screen when Patrick was on the screen. <laughs> Which is really sad because he had a few emotional moments in yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. So I like So this episode was interesting. Spoiler alert if you haven't watched it. Uh, I won't get too deep into things. It was really, they really dealt with a, a, a situation where one of the astronauts was Photographed in a very compromising position, mm-hmm. and, um, and and this story was also told in the movie version of the right stuff as well. So I, I, bear with me, folks. I know I keep going back and forth, but it is 
it's I, I do so because again, it's it's uh, you know, it's a, a, a telling of a story that's been told before in, in a different medium mm-hmm. uh, as far as theatrical film, and, and the way that they handled this one in the TV show, I actually in a way liked a little better in the sense okay. that they really got into who you know it was touched on in the movie as far as like Shepherd Shepherd just didn't like John's Glenn's preachy attitude. Um but how they handled it here where, you know it, it the the thing that this this series does it just it doesn't paint a very flattering picture of John Glenn. <laughs> uh, it, it really doesn't, uh, and and the movie doesn't either. But I, I don't won't, I won't get too deep into the story because I don't want to spoil it for for folks who haven't watched it. But uh, I'll say now, spoiler alert for the people for if you if you are watching it, you can continue. If not, then skip ahead to our next topic. But uh, you know, whenever. He like ordered the burgers and the beers, and then starts to proselytize oh. over the rest of the rest of the astronauts. Uh, you know, it really, it really just showed how self. You know, even though he he, he thinks he's you know deadly do right, you know, uh, Boy Scout, you know, super virtuous dude. He's really, you know, they really paint him as this very arrogant. Uh, self-righteous prick and and you know because Shepard came to him in a in a moment of crisis and and you know really just you know, confiding him to help him get out of the situation and then of course Glenn tried to use that to his advantage as far as you know pecking order for for launch position so um, hmm. little... it's, it's interesting your reaction to this episode because I have a very different one yeah, uh, I, I actually like John Glenn in this episode. Okay, okay, I didn't like I didn't like John, and 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 I didn't like John even in the film version when they have this showdown about morality and what the astronauts are dealing with. I, you know, I thought uh, I think in both situations to me, even though Alan Shepard was clearly in the wrong here. Um, I, you know, it, it, I still, still maintain some level of sympathy for him. Right. Right. Um, which, and I think is exactly what they want because they, we know Shepard is a flawed character. We've known since the very first episode, he, he goes behind his wife's back and sleeps with other women. So, so for whatever reason, they kind of normalized his character doing that at the very beginning. So this isn't as much of a shock that he was, oh, suddenly they caught it on camera and now he needs help. Who is the best person to go to? Well, John, because John knows how to play the media game. Yeah. This is where I don't, I don't understand. Well, it's not that I don't understand. It's that to me, I didn't like how this was written because from my perspective, John, John didn't didn't really do anything behind his back. Like 
that they 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 played it in a way where it seemed like, yeah, why wouldn't he have called their PR person and told them like he needed it was the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. he, he he was desperate. He was also probably overtired. He he was also, I think, I think what the writers have also done in in how they've portrayed John Glenn so far is it is he does prioritize the mission. He does get annoyed yeah. the other astronauts for their behavior because he's just like guys we're gonna lose everything because yeah. yes does john want to win yes but john also knows there's nothing to win if the program goes away true that's true Good so point. so for for me i the the hamburger meeting which will be forever what we call it um i i didn't like john's approach to bringing them and talking down to them because he is condescending. But I also was just like, whoa, Al, sit back down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You were on his side. You knew he did you a big favor. And yet he made one tiny mistake and suddenly he's the biggest jerk of them all. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, talk about a drama queen. <laughs> so so it's just like huh either either they wrote it really well because you saw both sides and you understood how this happened and and honestly they it's just it's just pure misunderstanding or um they wrote it poorly because it was just bizarre reactions um in terms of the situation like Because at the end of the day, he did manage to pull the right strings, mm-hmm. and Al still, his wife still doesn't know that she's been cheated on. Yeah, yeah. And John, his space program is still afloat because yeah. it didn't get leaked. So. Yeah, yeah. True, true. I mean, I think it. I mean, like I said, I, I enjoyed the episode. I mean, it, I think it was very, to your point, it was very well constructed because I mean listen to it. I mean, we, we both got two different perspectives mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, so they, the writers clearly succeeded in, in what they were trying to achieve there. Yeah. Because, yeah. So, you know, and I think that's the mark of a good, of a very good television program or, or movie is, you know, people come away with differing feelings about how these characters you know, performed and, and reacted in, in those situations. Yeah, I I think I agree. I think that um, looking back and having this discussion now makes me like the episode overall a little bit better because you are supposed to see these two characters, two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. And, and they both have their own separate pathos. And even though we know history and we know a little bit about what happens, how they get there, and how they change is interesting, um, and and so it looks like they're 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 doing the right stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're doing it right. Um, they 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 didn't do themselves any favor when they casted Patrick J. Adams or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Jake McDormand, he he knows how to play this character though, because yeah. this character almost very very 
crazy similar to a character he played on where I first stumbled upon him, um, Greek, an old ABC family show classic. And um, he he plays very much the um, the quote unquote bad boy who jerk who you're you're not supposed to like, but over time you actually sympathize with more than other characters. I think his casting was spot on. But. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it was. I mean, I he's definitely one of my one of my favorites out of out of the, out of the series. And uh, you know, one character I wish they would spend a little bit more on um, would be uh, some you know, would be some of the characters like Gus Grissom or, or Deke because um, they seem to be kind of you know it really is focused clearly focusing on. You know Cooper, Shepard, and and Glenn, which you know those those probably were the uh, had the most personality out of out of out of the group. But uh, but I think some of the other supporting characters uh, could also uh, you know share get a little bit get a, get a little bit more love. But, I agree. Yeah. I I agree with that. I mean, you you got a lot of astronauts to explore, and yeah. and that's something also that was. Um, lackluster in this episode is you're supposed to realize how much because we theoretically have been on the journey with them mm-hmm. and they say that they've bonded and they they actually like each other a lot more than they realize now that's nice for them but the viewers are supposed to be like yeah well, we like all of these guys we if you had to give us a choice of who would go first, what would we do? And, Mm -hmm. and you didn't really get that sense. You knew, you knew two of the names. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, obviously, but still, so, so I, I kind of, I think that, that you're right. And how the writers, they, they could really explore all of these astronauts and really make this about all, all of the characters, but they, they, they have kind of zeroed in on on three in particular. Yeah, yeah. Man, I, I think that is it for us tonight. I think so. I think so. Covered um, a lot there, yeah. Yeah, we covered a lot. Um, not as much as usual, but then again, it's been a slow news week given yeah. other big events going on in the world. Yep. Uh, Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can follow me at S.J. Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>